Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Joy does not come naturally to most of us, does it? It must be continually cultivated in our lives by the renewing of our minds, the Bible says. We might say reading our Bibles, and another one is to rejoice in the Lord. And as we read, and as we rejoice, and as we worship, we see and we are reminded of the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord. The salvation given to all those who turn to God and put their trust in Jesus Christ. Joy is hard to come by sometimes. Pastor Jim acknowledges this in today's message, but also gives us a direction to go to rekindle that joy in our everyday lives. As we spend time getting to know God, whether through reading the Bible or prayer, we will see over and over again how good God is. We will learn about His faithfulness to people in the past, and we will leave open a line of communication with our very loving and ever-present Creator. God can and wants to show us in person just how amazing He is. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of Philippians with part two of his message entitled, Joyful Rejoicing. But at midnight, they're in jail, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I think I would be complaining. I think I would be saying, God, is this what I get? I served you. And it says, and the prisoners were listening to them. And then it says there's an earthquake. And the prison doors opened. And a fellow we know as the Philippian jailer was ready to kill himself. You say, why would he do that? In their culture, if you were a prison guard and your prisoner escaped, you got his sentence. So you're guarding a guy who's on death row and he escapes, you get death row. (laughs) like... Good incentive, forget about the union, good incentive not to let them go. And then the apostle Paul yells out, don't kill yourself, man, we're here, we're here. And Acts 16, 29 through 30 says, then he, the Philippian jailer, one of the founders of this church, one of the original members, called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said to them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Why was he terrified? I think the earthquake. Which one? The earthquake when the ground moved? Or the earthquake of seeing people beaten to a bloody pulp and still praising Jesus? That's how I became a Christian. Because I knew someone whose life was a total train wreck and they still praised Jesus. Not a self-inflicted train wreck, but just their life had so many problems. And most of us who've been Christians for a while can point to one or two people and say, I was starting to hear about God. I was starting to learn about God, but it was him. But it was her. That God sovereignly put in my life someone who, despite the circumstances, rejoiced. And something in my soul began to burn I couldn't explain it. Is it possible there are less people 
becoming Christians today because there are less people that are rejoicing in difficulty? Is it possible that our young people are seeing a compromised, nominal, make no difference in the world Christianity and it disgusts them? And so now here, the apostle in prison again, notice he doesn't say, oh, poor us. Nor does the Bible ever, ever poke fun at our circumstances or say they're not that bad. It doesn't do that. Our cares, your cares, my cares are important to the Lord. We're going to talk about that next week. But he brings a command. Before he tells us how to deal with our problems, he brings a command. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice what you know about the Lord. Chapter 3 told us we were citizens of heaven. What do we need to do? Rejoice. Our names, if you're a Christian, are written in the book of life. What do we need to do? Rejoice. It's very interesting to me that he doesn't say because God's done so much for us, our response should be to rejoice. Although that's true, he commands it because he knows life is hard. He commands it because he knows it's difficult. He says, embrace the power of rejoicing and let the power embrace you. Again, as we said, problems on the outside, selfishness on the inside. And here the apostle from prison reminds us all, there is no problem greater than the Lord. Many of us became Christians when it finally dawned on us that his grace was greater than our sin. And yet we can go along and instead of becoming more mature, more full of joy, more on fire for God, most of us actually it becomes less because our problems begin to eclipse the mighty hand of God in our lives. And here the apostle says, no, because of God, who God is, let joy reign within. He's not ignoring the fact that he's in jail. He's just putting it in proper perspective. Friends, we are all burdened with problems. We are all burdened with past sins. We're all burdened with family, with friends, with difficulties, a world that is seemingly falling apart. And the prescription is simple. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, let's not confuse style with substance. What can rejoicing look like? Well, for some of us, some days it's going to be happy and it's going to be loud. For others, at times it will be tearful and it will be quiet, but it will be rejoicing. Now, we all know what fake praise looks like, right? That's cheesy. But even in the most difficult times, we can praise the Lord with joy. You say, how is that? Because the Bible teaches us that there is nothing that happens to us that is outside the realm of his care. Nothing. Nothing. And so we can rejoice in him. If we forget that nothing happens to us outside the realm of his care, the ups and downs of life will absolutely destroy us. They'll devastate us. We'll only be able to worship in the ups, right? We'll come in here. Blessed be your name. 
Didn't we do this song two weeks ago? Come on, man. That's what we'll be like. And we'll die in the downs. If it's all dependent on the ups, we'll die in the downs. That's why so many people today are falling away from the faith because they're dying in the downs. Because they're not rejoicing in the Lord. They're tying in, thanks to those godless TV preachers, they're tying in the way life is supposed to be, with the way they want it to be, with God. And they don't always meet. Nehemiah chapter 8, it was a very, very difficult time for the people of God. Trying to rebuild that city, trying to rebuild that wall. And Ezra comes and he breaks out the word of the Lord. And, and becoming fully aware of their sin. That's, that's why you have to teach the Bible. That's why you go slowly hanging on every word from God. And they're just listening and they're weeping over their sin. Perhaps forgetting the power of God in the midst of it all. And Nehemiah 8.10 says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What does that tell you? That tells you even when you are down, you can serve the Lord. Even when you are beaten to a bloody pulp, you can obey the Lord. Even when everything is going wrong, the joy of the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord, will provide you with a supernatural strength and people will go, how is that guy still standing? How is she able to do what she's doing? Sometimes... Friends, in his great love, the Lord will shift our trust from the things of this earth back to him. Or maybe to him for the first time. And so trials come. Sometimes the Lord needs to take away our superficial happiness that depends upon things going well and replaces it with a joy in him. And how does he do it? Pain. Sometimes we forget Jesus. And so the Lord brings us seasons of loneliness. So verse 9, the God of peace will be with you. In chapter 2, he was talking about living in a crooked world, being poured out in service to God. And for the Philippian church, and the Apostle Paul says this, chapter 2, verse 18, he says, For the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. Chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. And then he goes on to talk about all the false teachers in the church. Rejoice, there's false teachers in the church. That doesn't make sense, does it? And then here in chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. What's he saying? Stop complaining. Stop making excuses and do it. Do it. Again, not minimizing our circumstances, but teaching us how to do what is right and to access supernatural power. Rejoice. And notice what he says. If you want a second point to this message, rejoice in the Lord always. Always. 
The idea is continually rejoice in the Lord. No exceptions. No saying, but God, you don't understand. Like I say to my kids when they were little, I go, today is no but Saturday. I would say, no matter what I would say to you, you can't go but. (laughs) You just have to obey. People say, I don't feel if I, I don't know if I feel led to rejoice in the Lord. You don't have to feel led. Obey. Now, let's be honest. Joy does not come naturally to most of us, does it? It must be continually cultivated in our lives by the renewing of our minds, the Bible says. We might say reading our Bibles, and another one is to rejoice in the Lord. And as we read, and as we rejoice, and as we worship, We see and we are reminded of the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord, the salvation given to all those who turn to God and put their trust in Jesus Christ. We are reminded that we can know him, that we can talk to him, and that he hears us, that we can be used by him. We're reminded that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. Perhaps this week we all need to take a break from our lives and our problems and rejoice in the Lord. And then when we're done, remember, we are to rejoice in the Lord always. And you know, the recurring theme of this in the book of Philippians makes me wonder, is this their biggest problem? And they got it together in a lot of good places, but is rejoicing maybe their biggest problem? And I say this in love, really, I do. I think this could be our biggest problem too. Now, some of you come from other places and you're like, oh, this place is alive, the Lord's here, it's great. Man, I don't know about you, but I am not a settle for the status quo kind of person. I want more, right? And I want us to experience the fullness of what God has for us. Now, again, I'm not talking about some phony, trying to look spiritual, but knowing that rejoicing in the Lord is good, that rejoicing in the Lord is is right. And knowing that if I continually rejoice in the Lord, I will change because Jesus Christ never changes. And because he never changes, I can trust him. Joy is a fruit of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And next week we will see how it guides our lives with others. And we will see how it calms our anxiety. But let's be honest. A failure to rejoice is a symptom that we have forgotten many things. It's a symptom that we have forgotten God's love and God's care. It is a symptom that we have forgotten the depths to which the Lord Jesus Christ went for us on the cross. A failure to rejoice reminds us that we have lost sight of Jesus Christ. That we no longer meet with God face to face as a man meets with his friend. A failure to rejoice reminds us that we have lost sight of what it means to be a child of God. That we have lost sight of what it means to be a citizen of heaven. 
And a failure to rejoice in the Lord is often the result of cultivating certain sins. Laziness, comfort, pleasure, my own way. Sins that Jesus died for. And sins that Jesus has called us and empowered us to forsake. Perhaps today you've never come to that place of really completely coming to trust in Jesus Christ. I was teasing the the youth group last Sunday night. One of the parents said to me, I'm glad you clarified that this morning in the message. My, My son, I didn't know what he was talking about. I said to the kids, how many of you struggle with trusting Jesus? And all their hands went up. And I said, how many of you let some pothead teenager strap you in the roller coaster at Dorney Park? You have no problem trusting him with your life. But you have problem trusting Jesus? Maybe you've never fully trusted in the Lord. But today, tomorrow and eternity... Remember the Philippian jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? The answer from the apostle was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Same is true for you. If you've never trusted in Jesus, today you can. To believe is to trust. I love what King David said in in Psalm 40. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord. (laughs) that right there puts him way ahead of me. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He, the Lord, has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Friend, let me ask you, do you have that new song in your heart? Have you been lifted out of the miry clay and is that new song in your mouth? Is that song fresh today? Or has that song grown stale? How simple the solution. Rejoice in the Lord. He says, many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. What does that mean? It means that despite the circumstances, that your life will affect others in a powerful way, even if you don't see it. And then Psalm 40, verse 4, David says, Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, doesn't buy into what everybody else is saying, nor such as turn aside to lies, doesn't buy what the culture is selling him. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust. Friend, are you that blessed man? Are you that blessed woman? If not, rejoice in the Lord. Do you have the forgiveness of sins? Are you sure you have eternal life? If not, come to the Lord Jesus Christ today. The Apostle Peter said this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6-9. through 9, He said, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, interesting, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. 
that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Man, could people come into our church and say they love someone they haven't seen? He says, though now you don't see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith. What is the end of your faith? The salvation of your souls. You see, the rejoicing soul knows and never forgets that your sins have been forgiven. The rejoicing soul knows and never forgets that Jesus Christ bore your shame and your guilt on the cross. The rejoicing life knows that the Lord Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, that he ascended to heaven, that he is seated at the right hand of God, and whether he takes us home by death or by second coming, until then the rejoicing heart obeys the command to rejoice in the Lord. For some of you, things in your life are going great right now. Rejoice in the Lord. The future looks great. Rejoice in the Lord. Now is the time to cultivate the pattern and the discipline of rejoicing in the Lord so when the tough times come, you don't defer to following and trusting in yourself. And others of you, many of you are down. Rejoice in the Lord. Many of you, seem, you can't seem to get a break. Rejoice in the Lord. You're overwhelmed. You feel so lonely. Rejoice in the Lord. Some of you are brokenhearted. Your spirits are crushed. Rejoice in the Lord. Some of you are so full of fear that you're paralyzed. Rejoice in the Lord always. We said at the beginning, the cross shows us the love of God. The resurrection shows us the power of God. But we must trust. But we must rejoice. I pray we would all see how good the Lord is. That his goodness would be just enough for us to be a people of joyful rejoicing. And as you rejoice, expect to sense the presence of the Lord. As you rejoice, expect to experience the love of the Lord, the kindness of the Lord, the rest of the Lord, the power of the Lord, and much, much more. So this week, Take out your coffee mug and your calendar and your happy calendar and your bumper stickers and everything and don't, never look at Philippians 4.4 the same again. Rejoice in the Lord. When? Always. 
Rejoice in the Lord. For how long? Always. Are you sure? Even with everything that's going on in my life, again, I will say, rejoice. Pastor Jim will have more insights to share from the book of Philippians the next time you join us. You've been listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney, teaching pastor of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. This message from the book of Philippians is available to anyone who calls 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Keep in mind that we need today's date to ensure you get the right teaching in your hands. Again, you can get a copy of today's study on CD when you call 973-659-3380 or by sending an email to info at changedbyloveradio.com. Changed by Love also has a website with quite a bit of information. The address is www.changedbyloveradio.com. That's www.changedbyloveradio.com. At the website, you can check out our additional resources, drop us a note, or give securely to support the ongoing expenses of bringing you this program. Changed by Love is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located at 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. From all of the production team, we want to say thank you for joining us today, and we pray that God's Word would change your lives in more ways than you've ever dreamed possible. Please mark your Bibles and join us next time as we continue our verse-by-verse teaching through the book of Philippians, right here on Changed by Love.